Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here this fine day. Phone lines are open. It's a free-for-all for y'all to call in, 877-973-7425. We hadn't taken a lot of phone calls this week. I felt guilty, but there's been so much going on trying to catch up. And now we'll take your calls if you want to call in. But first... The news, 14 Republican holdouts have changed their votes to support Kevin McCarthy's speakership. It's the 12th ballot. This is the longest speaker contest since 1856. Uh, that one was settled, on, I believe, uh, nine ballots. We're now at, at uh, headed into the 13th ballot. Maybe the 13th will be the charm. Also, uh, the boss says that the ratings are back on, and so I better not suck. So you got to listen. <laughs> uh, look, I was going to actually talk about environmentalists right now, but I got to talk about something that has just come on my radar, a text from a friend. This is actually a big deal. You all know Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County in Florida is a bright Democratic area. Remember back in the day, uh, it, it was where the butterfly ballot was that caused all the problems in 2000. It's where all the rich people live in Palm Beach. Uh, it's been prog- I've never understood uh, why so many rich Republicans lived in a county that was so hostile to Republicans with so many Democrats. Remember Rush Limbaugh lived in Palm Beach and had that prosecutor go after him back in the day and the newspaper down there uh, went after him for a while and it's just, it was, it was a mess. They hadn't liked Republicans, but Palm Beach County, Florida has flipped to the GOP. It is kind of remarkable. I really do have to set the stage for you here. When I got married, I got married in the year 2000, which by the way is, is a very smart, if y'all can hold out until, uh, I don't know, the, the year 3000 to get married. It becomes very, very easy. I mean, get married in like uh, the year 2100 if you want. It becomes very easy to figure out how long you've been married because being married, in, like I know, I'll have been married in October. I remember remember the month and the day, October 14th. So in October 14th, 2023, I will have been married 23 years. I can't screw this up unless I try hard. And so my wife and I, we got married in October of 2000. I had just passed the bar exam. Uh, we'd gone on our honeymoon, gone to, to Banff up in Canada. Beautiful, beautiful place. I want to go back. Banff Springs Hotel, the big castle up there we stayed. We came back. Uh, I was a, a volunteer lawyer for George W. Bush. I was involved in the Republican Party. My wife, not a political junkie, she went to bed the night of the election and woke up the next day, and uh, my buddy Jason was at our house. We were watching the returns. My wife wakes up. We're still on the couch. The sun is up. Uh, We are bleary-eyed, and she says, well, who's president? So we have no idea. It took weeks to figure out who would be president of the United States. George W. Bush ultimately won the contest by 523 votes in Florida. It all came down to Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County was a Democratic county, and they had designed a ballot, and they called it a butterfly ballot. And essentially, it opened up like a book, and you had little, um, you had perforations, and you had to push out uh, the little pieces of paper. Instead of filling in a bubble, you push them out with a pin. And those little pieces of paper that came out were called chads. Yes, Chad. 
not Karen's, Chad's. And the Chad had to come out. And some people would push them through all the way and they would come out. Some of them hung by one corner and they were called hanging Chad's. Some hung by two quarters, hanging Chad's. Some by three. And you could tell that someone had pushed in to push it out. But did they push in with the intent for it to go all the way through? Or did they push in, realize they were making a mistake and pull it out? It became a huge controversy. It went to the United States Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of Florida was stacked with Democrats who were doing their best to help Al Gore. It went to the United States Supreme Court, and the United States Supreme Court essentially said, there is a deadline. You have gotten to the deadline. You have to go with what you have or throw it out. And they went with George Bush. Now, interestingly enough, to this day, Democrats refuse to accept the legitimacy of that election, claiming that George Bush was selected, not elected, except... USA Today organized a media consortium. They went down to Florida and they got access to those ballots in Palm Beach County. And they used three standards. If you used the standard the state said was the standard, who would have won? If you use the standard that George W. Bush wanted, which is a complete perforation, tear, hole, and no hanging chad, who would have won? And if you used Al Gore's standard of three quarters are somehow detached in some capacity, at least one quarter is fully detached, who would have won? Here's the deep irony of it that everyone seems to have ignored. Using the standard that the state said was the standard, that the state Supreme Court said was the standard, and that the Supreme Court said you got to run with, George Bush won Florida by 523 votes. Had you used George W. Bush's standard of the entire hole must be cleared out except for one, you can have a chat on one corner so long as there's no competing perforation, George Bush would have lost the election by about 100 votes. If you used Al Gore's standard where one quarter had to be completely detached and it must be clear that there was a forceful press of a pin to detach it, even if the whole thing did not separate, George Bush would have won by about 2,000 votes. So if you took Al Gore's standard or the standard of the state, George Bush won. If you took George Bush's standard, George Bush would have lost by about 100 votes. So the media consortium concluded that actually, yes, George Bush did win Florida by 523 votes in Palm Beach County and was lawfully elected president of the United States by virtue of the Electoral College. But Palm Beach forced the nation to move to electronic balloting. The entirety, the entire rush to electric, electronic ballots and digital ballots came because of that disastrous election in Palm Beach County with a poorly designed ballot. And the Palm Beach County commissioners were all Democrats. And Palm Beach, after that, became even more Democratic. Debbie Wasserman Schultz is from down there, among others. It's a very Democratic area until now. Palm Beach County, which overwhelmingly went against Ron DeSantis for, what's his name, Andrew, what's his face, uh, four years ago, went for Ron DeSantis this time. Ron DeSantis won Palm Beach County. And now, Ron DeSantis has appointed the Republican Party of Palm Beach County Chairman Michael Barnett to the Palm Beach County Commission. Why? 
because District 3 of the County Commission, Dave Kerner, is a Democrat. He's been named the Executive Director of the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. That's right. Ron DeSantis has put in charge of the DMV in Florida a Democrat and replaced the Democrat with Michael Barnett, the Republican. So for the first time in a very long time, Palm Beach County is now four to three Republican. Now you should note that uh, Dave Kerner, the Democrat, who's now gonna be in charge of the Department of Highway Safety, is not just any Democrat. Uh, Dave Kerner endorsed Ron DeSantis for reelection. He endorsed, the Democrat endorsed Ron DeSantis. And now Ron DeSantis has flipped that county to the GOP. For the first time in decades, Palm Beach County is now going to be majority Republican on the county commission. That stuff matters greatly. But wait, there's more. There's also a woke college in Florida, the new college down in Florida. It's a pretty woke progressive institution. And Ron DeSantis has now shaken up the board of trustees of the college. So it's a new college of Florida, their board of trustees. It is one of the the most hyper-progressive schools in the state of Florida. Get this. He's put Christopher Rufo on the board. You know who Chris Rufo is. Chris Rufo lives out in Washington State, and he's been one of the guys exposing uh, woke corporations around the country. Matt Spaulding, I know Matt. Matt's a great guy. He's a Hillsdale College professor. Matt Spaulding is also going to be on the board of directors. And Mark uh, Barline, I don't know. He's the editor of First Things. He's a pro- English professor, emeritus professor of English at Emory University. He is uh, also going to be on the board. So now this is from Carolyn Downey at National Review. Governor Ron DeSantis appointed six new members to the new College of Florida's Board of Trustees on Friday, directing the new conservative majority to reorient a public university that has been led astray by progressive ideology. In 2001, the new College of Florida was designated the state's honors college by the Florida legislature. Since then, the school has increasingly embraced progressive ideological causes, such as expanding diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, all while missing its 2022 enrollment goal by 45%. So DeSantis has appointed Chris Rufo, Mark Bauerlein, Matthew Spaulding, Charles Kessler, Deborah Jinks, and Jason Spear, Several are well-known conservatives. Rufo is at the Manhattan Institute and best known for his activism against critical race theory. Kessler is a fellow at the Claremont Institute and editor of the Claremont Review of Books. Spalding is vice president of the Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale College and published books on the Constitution. They've got to be confirmed by the Republican-controlled state Senate, but they're more likely than not going to be. And they're going to get the new College of Florida back to its roots. They're going to bring it into a model of classical education like Hillsdale, making it the Hillsdale of the South, which a lot of people have been telling me, why don't we have a Hillsdale in the South? Well, it looks like we're going to be. As part of the agenda to transform the college, the majority plans to restructure the administration, mission statement, and academic departments according to the proposed pedagogy. 
create a new core curriculum, establish a graduate school for training teachers in the classical style, according to Chris Rufo. The appointees also intend to dispense with the terms diversity, equity, and inclusion and replace them with equality, merit, and colorblindness. New professors credentialed in constitutionalism, free enterprise, civic virtue, family life, religious freedom, and American principles will be hired to the faculty. The Board of Trustees, which exists for every college in the Florida State University system, is responsible for providing direction to advance the school's mission while adhering to the requirements and regulations of the Board of Governors of the state, which is largely appointed by the governor. It's really hard to understand just how woke this college began unless you know something about it. Let me read you this. One assistant professor at the university received bachelor's, master's, and PhD degrees in gender studies before he went on to teach at the school. His current class offerings include introduction to gender studies, feminist, queer, and trans theory, masculinities, gender, race, and surveillance. The professor had works published in a number of publications, including an article titled uh, well, I'm not going to say that, that the, the male, org, male reproductive organ is important. A collection of essays included why are, um, well, the F word slur for gays, so afraid of that, flaming challenges to masculinity. Beginning in the fall of 2021, the college reportedly provided at orientation a list of gender identity affirming resources, including locations for gender neutral bathrooms on campus and instruction on how to designate preferred gender pronouns. Another professor within the college's gender studies program, Queen Mikazia Zabriski, spearheaded the college's Black History Month, which expanded last year to include an event every day from February 1st to March 5th. Last year's theme was black healing. In addition to other state schools, the college could face scrutiny soon over expenditures on DEI and critical race theory. Ron DeSantis is fighting back using the tools of the administrative state. Good for him for doing this. In 24 hours now, in just 24 hours, Ron DeSantis has packed a board of a very woke college full of conservatives and flipped the two decade long Democratic control of Palm Beach County on its head and is now a Republican County. There are a lot of people who have said nobody can do anything like this, the federal government or the state government, nobody can fight this fight. This guy's putting points on the board and everybody needs to at least pay attention. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Bullet Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads 
that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, the promo code ERIC. All right. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. I'm going to take a phone call, 877-973-7425. Eddie, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I just wanted to respond. Earlier on the show, you were talking about the um, British guy, formerly known as Prince, a Prince. And um, just reminds me of the days when, you know, I was young, and my brother... Had, had three brothers, had an older brother that decided to go up for the wrestling team and used me as his reluctant partner. <laughs> and um, at least once on a trip to Florida, the parents were sitting around a table, you know, with an umbrella, smoking cigars, cigarettes, and drinking. And my brother decided to see how long he could hold me underwater. And uh, when I fought and got out of it, I went and, you know, told my parents, I told my mom that my brother was trying to drown me. And her response was, go tell him, I said, to stop. And it, you know, it just, just makes you a better person when you deal with your own. Um, well, you look, I, I mean, you could go write a tell-all book now and, and maybe make some money cashing in on the sordid stories of your family, which may or may not be true. You know, in all seriousness, so apparently one of the claims here is that um, we're talking about Prince William and Prince Harry, that William apparently shoved Harry to the floor, the, the kid who in an interview one time in Afghanistan, uh, heard gunshots behind him, cut off the interview, grabbed his gun, and ran to kill the Taliban. Uh, right. Somehow couldn't handle his his brother. But what's so funny about it is he says that Williams caused him to fall over and smash the dog's uh, bowl, except pictures have now come out of the dog's bowl at the time, and it was metal. So how do you <laughs> smash? I, I just... I, there's something really just deeply disturbing about this willingness to do this. I, somebody else pointed out that he talks about having a therapist on speed dial, and yet uh, his wife was not allowed a therapist. Why couldn't he call his therapist if he had one on speed dial? None of it makes any sense, and I'm just I, – sadly, I know too much about this stuff because it keeps – I keep seeing people talking about all this on Twitter. and. Right. Why are we obsessed about the lives of someone who would be a nobody but for the family he now wants to degrade? That's the frustrating well, it's one part way for me. for him to make money, like you said, and uh, I wish I could do it, and I'm sure you wish yeah. you could do it. I'm sure you had a sister or brother that picked on you. So, Oh, look, um, I had two older sisters who I would stab them with ballpoint pins because they were mean to me. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> look, listen, Eddie, weekend. I appreciate the phone call. <laughs> have a good weekend. My oldest sister, when I was little, we lived out in rural Louisiana. My mom would have to go to the grocery store, and it would be like a 30-minute drive. And my oldest sister literally would lock my middle sister and me in a room, clean up the house, leave us there until my mom was pulling in the driveway and then unlock, run out. Oh, mama, mama, they didn't help. And she'd get to watch whatever she wanted on TV. My mom was smart enough to catch on that something was not right here. But um, I just, <laughs> I, I love my sisters dearly. We get along well, but my goodness, when we were young. Um, and then... I was to some degree when they grew up and I was the youngest and home alone. And, and, um, it just, uh, it, this writing sorted tell all books about your brother and your father and stuff. It's just disgusting, particularly when you would literally be a nobody 
but for the family you now wish to malign. Um, maybe you do owe that family a little bit of loyalty instead of with your your failed actor's wife. I'm, I, I got no time for that nonsense. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you wish to be a part of the program, you are allowed. Phone lines are open and we're loose with the phones. It's a free for all today. Uh, As predicted, I told you people this would happen. I told every one of you this would happen. Let me set the stage for you here because I told you this was going to happen. For the last four days, people have been attacking these 20 members of Congress who held out on Kevin McCarthy. If you're just tuning in, I got an email this morning from a guy who told me he would never, ever listen to me again. His name was Ted. He said, I'm not listening to you again. Chip Roy, whom I previously respected as my congressman. Say what you will about Kevin McCarthy. At least he's not a carnival barking, nutty embarrassment like many of the members of this group. That's what the guy said. Chip Roy's gotten a deal. McCarthy now only needs three more votes. 12, 13 Republicans of that 20 have now flipped in Kevin McCarthy's way because they got a really good deal. And what's remarkable and what I told you was going to happen is that all the people who have spent the last four days attacking Chip Roy and these 20 members are like, oh my gosh, this deal's incredible. Holy cow. Wow. I can't believe they were able to get this deal. It's just incredible. My goodness. This is going to transform the House of Representatives. I told you it would. You shouldn't have doubted me. I was right on this. Not that those of you who said you'd never listen again are listening, but I was right on this, and I told you the whole time that the goal was to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, and if you couldn't get rid of Kevin McCarthy, get the best possible deal, and that deal had some non-negotiable points, including putting conservatives on the Rules Committee to decide what would or would not get to the floor of the House, and also stop governing by crisis. And what Chip Roy has done has ensured there will be votes on budget and appropriations. There will be votes all the way to ensure that we have actual appropriations. There will be some defense cuts, $75 billion. I think that given the waste, fraud, and abuse of the Defense Department and the duplication of services, they can work around that. That's fine with me. I see some people Henry, you know, oh my gosh, it's terrible. Got to give the Defense Department all the money. This is a good proposal. This is a good deal. I wish Kevin McCarthy were gone. If I had my druthers, I'd have been one of the holdouts there to, to get rid of McCarthy. He, listen, a man who's willing to give away the store just so he can have the title of shop owner probably isn't great. But concurrent with that, they got a good deal. And as much as I don't like McCarthy, as much as I want McCarthy to be gone... This deal is really important 
The deal is really important because it actually does, for the first time in decades, provide substantive reforms to the House of Representatives. And these substantive reforms are necessary to get Congress to legislate as opposed to just be the carnival barkers people like my, my list, former listener, Ted, are, are complaining about. They get to be carnival barkers, Ted, and everyone else who's concerned about this because they don't have to legislate. They wait for leadership to drop something, and then they vote for or against it. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to design it. They don't have to be involved in the process. They just wait for the leaders to hand it to them. And under this deal, they're going to have to legislate. They can't have time to carnival bark. They're going to have to legislate. And that, I think, is what matters most. They don't have a strategy, they said. They don't have demands, they said. They don't have an alternative speaker, they said. Well, all that's been proven the lie now. They had a strategy. They knew what they wanted. And they just won. There are now seven holdouts. Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, Andy Harris, Matt Rosendale. McCarthy needs three of them to flip, and it looks like that's going to happen. It looks like he will be Speaker of the House as much as I would prefer someone better. This is a really, really good deal, and Chip Roy deserves a lot of thanks. And a lot of those members of Congress who were attacking him and this gang of 20 will benefit from this deal. And that's the bottom line. 877-973-7425. I would be remiss if I didn't play this audio from my friend Scott Jennings on CNN. Oh, as, a, as a larger political matter, we've been analyzing the, the machinations inside the House, but for the Republicans, <laughs> and as we look towards 2024, you know who, in some weird way, this all benefits is Ron DeSantis. Because part of the appeal of him, not part of Washington, not part of this chaos, not part of the drama, competence, and so if you're him and you're sitting out there and you're plotting your presidential campaign and Washington just looks broken, Trump gets involved, he looks impotent. I mean, this whole thing, Republicans are going to possibly look at this and say, we just, we have got to find somebody who's outside. Well, there you go. DeSantis, uh, look, I mean, he comes across as competent down in Florida. That matters. Now, I, I got to get to this other story here. Um Pete Buttigieg, I was surprised he went on Fox News, but he sat down with Brett Baer. Let me play you some of this interview. Uh, what do you say to people who ask, is it environmentally responsible to fly on private government jets when commercial options are available? Well, when we're making a decision about what kind of aircraft to use, we weigh a lot of things. Uh, that's one of the things we consider. So is saving taxpayers money. Now, uh, I fly the majority of the time uh, on, in economy class on an airliner just like everybody else. In fact, I think I should say that again because, uh, you know, I'm not sure everybody has read past the headlines, but as you know, mm -hmm. even this network's reporting has made clear that the majority of the time I travel on an airliner in economy class just like everybody else. Ugh, economy. <laughs> Listen. Uh, let me explain something. There are a couple of things here. And again, uh, I, I want to be intellectually honest in this. There are times when people in his position or, or others, it makes sense to fly private. It does. I have flown private a couple of times, and it really does spoil you. Y'all, you, you can't appreciate um when you're able to drive right up to the side of the plane, put your bags on the plane, someone drives your car away, you get on the plane, you take off. 
I had an opportunity last year, actually, with Priority Jet uh, to go to Las Vegas. And we stayed up way too late gambling the night before and was able to call the pilots and say, hey, can we, like, leave an hour later so we can just sleep a little bit longer? It's great. Uh, I know people who fly private regularly. I can't afford it. Uh, it's expensive. However, uh, there are situations like, for example, uh, let's just take the Priority Jet. Uh, Priority Jet's a company near me here in the Atlanta area. And you can fit people. They've got a, a Cessna. I forget the name of it. It's a jet. It's not a turboprop. It's an actual jet. It's got eight seats on it. And if you fill up those eight seats and everybody chips in, you're essentially, depending on where you're going, you're paying a first-class ticket, uh, each of you, for where you're going. Um, and, and so that to a degree, like you and eight for you and, and seven of your other friends get together. So you fill up eight seats and you're taking a, a trip to Miami for a football game or something. You're each paying uh $2,000, let's say just hypothetically, I haven't done the math on what it works out to be, but it's like a first class ticket on Delta to Miami, but you're on your plane on your schedule. And that can make sense. If you're Pete Buttigieg and you're in business and you're taking an entourage with you and you're flying on a Gulf stream somewhere, and there are 15 seats on the plane, uh, cost-benefit analysis, it may actually work for you to do it uh, given the time. But that's not really what we're talking about here. Pete Buttigieg and his uh, spouse decided to go to a sporting event in Europe, and they did so on a military flight. And this isn't the only time he's done this. And he's been repeatedly absent during crises that directly involve his department. And he's trying to laugh it all off and say, ha, ah, it doesn't really matter. Actually, it matters greatly. What I'm more intrigued by, though, is who's feeding the opposition? Who is sending out the information? Who is out there attacking Pete Buttigieg? It's not a Republican. Yes, I realize it showed up in Fox News, but this is opposition research from Democrats. My suspicion is, as always, it's Kamala Harris who's dropping the oppo. In the past, it is a well-known and openly talked about supposed secret in Washington, D.C. that uh, Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg do not like each other one bit. Their staff do not like each other. And if you hear an opposition research attack in the news about Kamala Harris, it probably came from the Buttigieg team. And if you hear an attack on Pete Buttigieg, it probably came from the Kamala Harris team. And this is something that sounds like an attack that Kamala Harris would use against Pete Buttigieg to make him out to be some level of, of elitist. Uh, the, the former uh, Biden attack ad on Pete Buttigieg from the primary resurfaced as well. Uh, and that that uh, resurfaced, showing that the the most Pete Buttigieg ever did, the greatest accomplishment in life Pete Buttigieg did was streetlights in South Bend, Indiana. He hasn't really done much of anything. He hasn't amounted to much. He's kind of a shallow guy, and the left loves him because he's a diversity pick, being married and gay with kids. They love that level of diversity. They don't care about the accomplishments. They don't care about the resumes. He's kind of Kevin McCarthy, but even an emptier suit than Kevin McCarthy. He's not very accomplished. He's just been climbing a ladder, hoping to get up one more rung on the ladder. Kudos to him, though, for going on Fox News. But it is worth noting, we've had multiple 
crises involving the transportation department in this country from airline shuts down in Southwest and uh, other airline issues and strikes, uh, transport issues, backups at ports, all of them involving Buttigieg. And he has missed every single one of them, which raises two questions. Uh, is he dispensable? Why do we need him? But also, is the transportation department dispensable? Could we potentially consolidate just the transportation department? Do we need that? By the way, uh, there's some breaking news happening. Uh, another term of this deal has come out. Uh, those of you who were mad at Chip Roy, mad at me for having his back, mad at the 20, listen to this. According to Kevin McCarthy, one of the in-writing terms of his deal, House Republicans will adopt a fiscal year 24 budget resolution that balances the budget within 10 years and includes long-term reforms to the budgeting process and mandatory spending programs and caps fiscal year 24 discretionary spending at enacted fiscal year 22 levels or lower, which means there will be no increase in spending from the federal government. And with inflation over time, this balances the federal budget within 10 years. It's the first time we've had a balanced budget framework since the 1990s with Newt Gingrich in charge. And Newt Gingrich was blasting these 20, telling them they were just hostage takers and terrorists. And now they're going to get a balanced budget deal we haven't seen since the late 1990s, thanks to them being willing to do the sausage deal. Some of you people owe Chip Roy an apology. Not that I expect you to give it to him. But maybe instead of just calling us terrorists and clown car show, which I admit Matt Gates is, but maybe instead you should think, hmm, maybe they do actually have something. This isn't just a suicide mission. Maybe they are actually onto something. It's very funny now watching so many of the people who attacked Chip Roy and these 20 on social media. They're like, this is a really good deal. Huh? Wonder what one one wonder what it took to get it. Well, it took them willing to take your slings, arrows, and barbs to get a balanced budget and spending cuts and the necessity of not governing by crisis. One of the groups that has been involved behind the scenes, Americans for Prosperity. This is a very good deal. And groups at Americans for Prosperity, they've got grassroots activists all over the country who have agitated for these sorts of changes. Americans for Prosperity is not a think tank in Washington. They don't just create white papers to try to massage Congress to do something. They actually go out into the states. They've built grassroots organizations in the states. They've got uh, grassroots activists in the states. They teach you how to be a better grassroots activist. They teach you how to lobby your school board, your county commission, your state legislature, even Congress. They teach you how to make good arguments. They provide you the data to make persuasive arguments. They teach you how to do door knocking. You want to run for office? Sign up for AFP. You want to be a great activist? Sign up for AFP. You just want a better sense of how things work in Washington and the good ideas to advance in Washington? Sign up for AFP. You go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org org slash E-R-I-C-K. You become an arm, one of their army of activists. You, you learn how to be a better activist. You learn how to go to your school board. You learn how to make arguments against the wokes. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, there is some, well, this may be the biggest news of the last decade. Pope Benedict XVI has just tweeted, the church calls this feast epiphany, the appearance of the Godhead. 
We can truly say that this encounter with God in the form of a child is the epiphany of God's goodness, loving kindness for humanity. I, this is this is the biggest news of the day. Apparently, uh, he's either still alive or you can tweet from the afterlife because they buried him yesterday. <laughs> uh, someone needs to go like stop the preloaded tweets, please. Uh, he's he's dead now. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to my Catholic friends. I just uh, he his account is still tweeting tweets claiming to be from him. <laughs> so I don't know. This could be a miracle. Could be a miracle. Um, my goodness gracious. All right. Um, we got to move on to other things. I, I, so the EPA has decided it wants to, uh, fire up new rules against soot. It's finding new things to regulate and soot is one of those things. Now, don't get me wrong. Soot to a degree needs to be uh, regulated. However, we've already got regulations in the books, and what they're doing now is, you know, you drive down the interstate sometimes, and you see cars that are burning oil. Um, they want to like put in regulations on that, which essentially amount to taxes on poor people. I I, I don't like driving behind a car that's burning oil. Pe- people clearly their car is burning oil, and they're going to get it fixed. Um, the idea that we need like EPA regulations on this is kind of bizarre. Um, yet that's what they're doing that that's what they want to do. They want to come after you and your car. If your car burns oil, they want to come after 18 wheelers that are running diesel and, and you see the black soot come out. Uh, I, this, this seems like, uh, overzealous regulation by environmentalists again, they continue to drag up costs, and they're continuing to try to force poor people into cars they can't afford. At some point, you do have to recognize that uh, environmentalists are engaging in a war against the poor, and they're driving up costs, and they think the government can subsidize all this, which it can't. Environmentalists really are not friends of the poor and the middle class. It's rich, white, woke people that the environmentalists are and want. They don't like people with large families. I played that audio earlier. Paul Ehrlich, who used to think the government should be able to prohibit you from having more than one kid. These people are kind of nuts, and I'm, I'm kind of over this. We, we need to shut down where the environmentalist movement is headed because it is against poor and the middle class and going to drive up everybody's costs. And they've taken over the Biden administration, which is going to open an opportunity for a Republican in 2024. 